Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to Sox on Tap. We've got Chuck Naso in the house tonight. Chuck, how you doing, my friend? How we doing, Tony? We're doing great, man. We've got a 6-4 to four win over the Cleveland Indians. Or are they the Guardians now? Don't know. Doesn't matter. 6-4 White Sox victory. Chuck, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be here with you, too. And I'm fired the fuck up after today's activities. <laughs> I, am, I am I am fired up as well. This was a great win. It was great to be back home. The White Sox offense was somewhat silent during the road trip. They got back on top tonight. 6-4, as I said, over the Cleveland Indians. Tonight's show is brought to you by Grandstand. Be sure you're going to Grandstand for all of your White Sox needs. Chuck. This one was quite the journey. Um, this did not wind up being a clean victory by any means, but the White Sox were able to get this one done. We're going to break into it, but first, let's get your initial thoughts. I mean, on the game, or are we talking about the trade that happened today? No, nah, we're gonna we're gonna get to the trade afterwards, but let's okay, let's okay. let's we'll talk get, about the game we'll first. Get, um, yeah, it was wild. It was just a wild game. A lot of weird scenarios just like felt weird with Cesar Hernandez on our team facing the Indians. Uh, and shit, weird Jose Ruiz clutch relief appearances. I mean, I just it had it all fights, brawls, wild pitches off Jose Ray's head because he's fucking tough as shit and just wears it and walks down first. Goddamn captain. Um, yeah, man, I, I just it was just it seemed like a fun ass night to be at the ballpark and just watch these games. Um, I'm super jealous of everyone that gets to be there. I was there last week, so I mean I'm gonna miss it every time. Just really uh, cherish it when you're out at the ballpark because it seems like an incredible atmosphere right now. It absolutely does. And uh, <clears throat> NWI Steve and and Johnny Nani were both out at the ballpark tonight. Um, so uh, Chuck, appreciate the guest appearance. This is your second time on. I think this year so far, uh, but man, uh, I, I I totally agree with the sentiment that you, that you're bringing here. Appreciate being out at the ballpark right now because a number one tickets are not going to be easy to come by uh, for the rest of the season, and, and b the the White Sox are special. There's something special going on with this team right now that. Uh, I mean, man, it just makes me smile. It, it makes me smile. It makes me happy. There is something special going on with this team right now, and you saw it tonight once again as the White Sox beat the Indians. Uh, and, you know, what was that, nine games up right now, Chuck? 
this is this is murderer's row. It's a cakewalk. It's it's let's be honest, it's a cakewalk. If it if it gets close, it's 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 very I'm gonna be very disappointed if this division gets close. I, I will too. And there's there's precedent for the division getting close. I, I think that you and I can agree with that. There's precedent for the division getting close and there being some sort of tense moments down the stretch, but I would be really surprised if that happened this year. Yeah, I, I really can't see it happening, especially with the sell-offs today in this division, Bieber and Bieber being out for the Indians. It just really doesn't feel like there's even a chance any of these teams can play with us. There's going to be some annoying games coming up. I, I definitely can feel it just because we're going to rest guys and we're going to change the rotation around. Maybe some Reynaldo spot starts or Stever spot starts or you know Lambert. Those type of guys are getting spot starts, and you know there's going to be some tough times during that. But it, it's all for rest, so you know you kind of got to take these bad games that are probably going to come up at some point in the next uh, two, three months and just kind of just, you know, wash them off and know that we're just getting healthy for October. I absolutely agree with you a hundred percent with what you said right there. And I think that there's some sort of messaging that needs to go out to maybe White Sox Twitter, maybe not uh, that there, there, there are going to be stinkers and we've seen enough of those over the last week, but this one, Lance Lynn gets the start, Chuck, and uh, it did not start pretty. Uh, Cleveland comes out uh, in this ball game and gets two in the first. Lynn kind of hobbles off the mound a little bit, a little bit of frustration there. How are you feeling after after one when Lance Lynn gives up two to the Cleveland Indians? No. After, after what we've seen, I'm going to precedent this, after what we've seen over the last week. Um, he just looked a little bit more in the zone. Like he, he just seemed like he was throwing it down the middle a little bit more than hitting his spots in the corners and up and up top in the, in the up top in the strike zone. Um, besides that, I mean, he's, he's a competitor. He didn't have his best shit, but you know, once again, that's, those are the type of guys where you can tell they're at another level, you know, Carlos Rodon right now and, and Lance Lynn, when they aren't pitching well, they're still giving you, you know, three earned run, four earned run performances over five to six innings. That's what a truly elite starter does, and they don't implode. They don't give you six or seven run given up performances. You know, I see that with, like, C's, and you see it with uh, see it with other random starters like Keuchel or something like that who's towards the end of his career, you know. And it's just the real, your true aces are always going to go out there and always going to compete and keep you in the game, even if they don't have their best shit. So that's what I always look with him, and he's just a fucking bulldog, and he just competes. I also got very scared in that first inning when he did the weird bendo. I saw you tweet about it, but he did the weird like bend over thing. Like he threw out his back at the end of the inning. I was like, dude, did he just like blow out his back? I was freaking out about that a little bit, but uh, he prevailed. And then uh, I'm rocking the, uh, the Britney shirt after he rocked the free Britney in his press conference. I don't know if you saw, but he was rocking the free Britney. So I went and changed shirts before we got on uh, free fucking Britney, free fucking Lance, the big fucking hoss, baby. I, I did not see that. In yeah, the, he wore a free uh, Britney shirt in the press conference. It was fucking electric. I loved it. I didn't see that. But so, like, I, I just have to ask because I saw you down in Milwaukee, Chuck, and your dad was there. Mm-hmm. And you told me that your dad does not like losing. So after the first inning, I just want to know, what kind of level is your dad at? during this ball game after giving up two runs in the first 
How close is he to leaving by the fifth? <laughs> we actually had this exact chat while I was back in Chicago because he was telling me he has like a good feel for the game after three innings on whether it's going to be a loss or a win. And most of the time when he's at the loss meter, he's he's 85% correct according to his math. And then, you know, 15% of the time you get the surprise games where they come back. I think the I think the Minnesota game last Tuesday when they, you know, the burger, I think it was, was it the burger home run and then the Brayu uh the Brayu threw in homer. That's when he uh he went to bed early that night because he thought the loss meter was going to hit, but uh yeah, he's pretty good with it. He's a uh He's an experienced veteran. I've told uh, Eddie Eddie from Barstool this a million times, but my dad's a famous lover of Mark Burley because he was he was he was a two hour baseball guy. So he, you know, you show up to the ballpark, you got a two hour game, and you're back on the Stevenson back to the suburb. So yeah, he's he's a historic. I don't like to sit in traffic guy. The only time I've ever sat in traffic with this man was 05 playoffs. We've stayed after every game, and you know you got to do that in the playoffs. So. I, I absolutely I absolutely love that. I had to I had to ask because it's been on my mind since since Milwaukee. Because you guys got out of there a little bit early. I, I just wanted to know where he was tonight. And I figured you would know. Well, I also have a strict uh Jose Ruiz policy. If I start I do too. I do too. Jose Ruiz, Ruiz Ronaldo trot out there and it's not looking good, huh? I don't know if I could support that right there. I'm going to have to take a walk back to my car and not sit in traffic that night. But tonight was quite the performance from Mr. Ruiz. So, uh, you know, I'll eat my words for that. It absolutely was. The White Sox were able to get themselves back on the board in the second inning. Let's talk about this because I feel like it's going to get forgotten in this game. Joan Moncada rips a ball into right center field and there's some sort of collision that happens. The ball just gets flicked up off of, I don't know if it was Zimmer, uh, but it, it, it just gets flicked up over the fence. Have you ever seen a home run like that in your baseball career outside of, you know, highlights watched of Jose Canseco taking it off the head over the fence. That was just a phenomenal home run. That was just so weird. And I thought he got all of it, honestly. And then I just saw that happen. I'm like, of course, he's going to hit it, you know, two feet in front of the warning track. And then they just run into each other and go over. It's like, you know what? That's some dumb White Sox stuff that would happen to us. So, you know, it feels good to have one go our way today, you know, finally. So, yeah. It ab- it absolutely it's- does. I mean, Yohan Moncada, for, for all intents and purposes, he had a great night at the plate tonight. We've been waiting for Johan Moncada to show up and have some clutch appearances. Um, this one gets a little bit of help, but the body of work overall was fantastic tonight from him. Any thoughts on on Moncada? So yeah, I'll, I'll be. I'll always be Moncada's biggest, you know, doubter, just because I, I get really upset when he just kind. You you can tell he has two different gears. There's that gear where he's locked in at the plate and he's seeing every pitch and he's battling in that bat, you know, and then there's just that, and that's the gear we saw the night when he's locked in, you know, he's seeing the ball. Well, he's, he's fighting every at bat. And then there's just that gear, which we saw in Kansas city, where it just feels like he's going up there. He's going to take a half swing at three pitches and you know, what the hell happened to this guy? Um, but I think he'll improve. You know, I think they were talking about how he took early batting practice today. So I think he just, 
And what Steve was talking about on the, the broadcast was that he just needs to be more aggressive, which I totally agree with. Just be more aggressive early in the count. It doesn't feel like he's ready to hit a fastball in early count situations and advantage count situations. The only time he's had like plus hits, I feel like this season are on breaking balls. So I want to see him just drive fastballs more. It just feels like he's a tick behind on the fastball this season. Once he gets that fastball speed down, he's going to mash. So hopefully it happens later in the season. I'll take him slumping in April and May for him to just absolutely go off in September and October because that's a catalyst in the postseason. It absolutely is. And and I think as White Sox fans, Chuck, we know – what he has and what he can offer at the plate. And he he's dangerous, man. Like I, I just look at him and I try and think like, where is the best spot in the lineup for you on my You can argue two, you can argue three, you can argue four, you can argue five, six. There's so many spots you can put this guy if he's on. And then there's so many different things that you can also pick out when he's off, I just hope we get tonight's version of Yoan Moncada for the rest of the year. Yep. If that, if that version comes out, this team, if that version and hot Jose comes out in the playoffs, this team's unstoppable. It, it absolutely is. Those are your two guys. And we're not even talking about Eloy Jimenez or Luis Robert or Tim Anderson getting yeah. hot during that. Yoan I mean, Moncada can drive a game. He gets hot. It's fucking incredible. I it, mean, it, what he That's, did in the post last year gave me the utmost confidence when they get in the postseason, that guy's showing up. So I feel really good about Tim in the playoffs. I just want to see some of these guys just really turn it into another gear before we there, get into that. There's, there's, there's so many guys on this roster that can do it. So it's 2-1 uh, Cleveland as we head into the third. Nothing happens there. And then the White Sox are able to get two runs in the fourth inning and kind of take a lead. Brian Goodwin – uh, actually singles uh, on a ground ball to the right fielder, uh, Brian or, or Daniel Johnson there, and Yohan Moncada is able to score. Andrew Vaughn gets the third. They had first and third on that situation. Then Lurie Garcia comes up, Lurie legend. Uh, I don't know if you're a Lurie legend guy, Chuck, but our guy Johnny Nani absolutely is. And Lurie legend is, is uh, just – I mean, he's a socks on tap guy. He's a socks on tap legend here. Give me your thoughts on Lurie on this play. Oh man, I'm not. I'm not the biggest Lurie legend. I'm just gonna say it right now. Um, I don't know. I he's just a, a love and hate type of guy. When he's going real well, it's awesome. When he's going bad, it is tough to fucking watch uninspired, but just like my Cotty, he just has those uninspired at bats where he strikes out on three pitches drives me insane. Like I could watch a guy like Goodwin up there, you know, when he's struggling, at least he's putting together pretty decent at bats, but I just really, really, really struggle with guys that will swing through three pitches. It just drives me insane. But when Lurie's going good, he's a great player. He's a great role player. And that's what with uh, Cesar, that's how you say his name. I think, right. Um, with him coming in, I think, uh, I think that's just a good it, – it puts less pressure on Larry when he comes in into this lineup. So, I mean, what was that, a ground ball double play he, he just put into play? Or no, oh, is they throwing Ramirez out at third, right? Or is that mm-hmm. what we're talking about? Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good play, good heads-up play. But I uh, – yeah, Larry just drives me insane sometimes. But uh, you guys can keep, being, do, keep doing the uh, Larry legend, and uh, 
I'll keep doing me. I won't get mad at you guys about that. <laughs> yeah. So that I, on that play, uh, Lurie actually beats out the ground ball uh, or the double play attempt uh, to score Andrew Vaughn. Um, Jose Ramirez, though, in the in the top of the fifth, is able to drive in uh, Bradley Zimmer. Uh, so the Cleveland Indians get back on the board. Uh, at that point, um, things are getting a little bit interesting. But in the fifth inning, Andrew Vaughn is able to walk in Cesar Hernandez. Jose Abreu goes to third base. Gavin Sheets goes to second. And the White Sox are unable to do anything else with that. Kind of concerning to me. Because we talk about opportunistic on this show we talk mm. about driving in runs you got the bases loaded and you're unable to do anything else with it any thoughts from you chuck and, and this is i know we're talking about one game but are there any thoughts from you about the ability for the white Sox offense to capitalize put up crooked numbers in uh, situations like that uh, i would say i don't really take too much like into that i just think the team was in a funk kansas city felt like a fever dream it just it felt like another all-star break honestly while they're in kansas city it didn't even feel like they were playing baseball games to me honestly um and i just think the team the, the bats were in a funk and the good thing about this team is they're so good that when the bats are down this bad we're still winning baseball games that's that's when you know you have a really good baseball team because white Sox teams you know, the past five, six years, if they got into this type of hitting funk, we were not be winning these baseball games without a bullpen or without good starters. So, you know, that feels really, that feels really good that we're winning these games. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think, you know, you're going to shoot in different players when they get healthy, you know, the Yazes of the world, Luis Roberts, Eloy's like, we're going to have better hitters in those situations. I think we're going to be much more opt- opportunistic when that comes, uh, comes about. I can agree with you there, but there's also something just in my mind where you get the bases loaded, one out, two out, doesn't matter. Drive the ball, get a hit, just a single, bloop single, whatever it is that certain good teams do where they're able to break a game open right here. And that's what I really wanted from them in the fifth inning. Outside of, you know, just driving a run in, um, off of a ground ball that, that that could have been a double play. Yeah. I, you, you just want something more there. And Andrew Vaughn, so far this year, to me, Chuck, has been the guy that you'd want up in that situation. And so that was a little bit frustrating to me. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I'm not going to lie. It was just a little bit frustrating. I, I think this team, though, you know, there are those guys that are going to strike out on this team. But – the, the difference between this team and last year's team is I think we have a couple guys that really work at bats and, and you know, will drive and runs in that situation. I feel I feel really good about Gavin Sheets when he's at the plate in those situations. I feel really good about Andrew Vaughn when he's at the plate in those situations. Obviously, he didn't, you know, produce in that situation tonight, but he's produced up until now in those situations where he kind of shortens up his stroke, drives it to right field, drives it up the middle. Uh, doesn't try to hit for too much power because 
that's what used to drive me insane with the Sox, man. It was always home run. I got to hit a home run here. I got to hit a home run here. Right? But they just don't just drive the ball. Just hit a nice line drive up the middle. Hit a line drive in the gap. You will hit your home runs. That's what Timmy. That's what Timmy runs into all the time, where he's trying to hit the big home run to left field, but he's always going good when he hits the line drive to right. So that's what I'm always looking for. And those guys are great additions to the lineup in terms of just shortening up and being just polished hitters. I'm really impressed with those two rookies so far. All right, let's fast forward a little bit in this game because I know we want to talk about some trades tonight, Chuck. Um, let's fast forward to the eighth inning. You get Ryan Tapera in, and we'll talk about the trade in a minute, but not exactly the greatest first showing as a White Sox reliever. It's almost kind of comical. Like if we if we take a step back here and we, we talk about you just like that's so White Sox. You make a trade for him yesterday. You're thinking, okay, here's another reliable arm out of the bullpen. He gives up a bomb to Fran Mill Reyes. Um, where are you at with this? Because you're, you're in the eighth inning. You got a tie ball game now. Fran Mill Reyes just takes Ryan to pair deep. Just not a great moment. I don't. I don't think it's something like, you know, it's, it's he threw a fucking hanging slider. <laughs> like it, obviously the walks worry me more, but it is a completely different situation. Like he just got, he just got traded, um, just got put into the game first day on the team. You know, it, it's kind of probably just a little shell shocking what just happened to you in like the last twenty four hours. Um, obviously not the greatest showing, but at least we supplement him with another awesome arm because I'd be a lot more worried if we had Ryan Tapera and some random arm as our big moves. Um, you know, Ryan Tapera is going to be a sixth, seventh inning guy. That's what my, all my friends who are Cubs fans told me, and I'm totally fine with him pitching the sixth or seventh. So I'd be a lot more worried if he was going to be our big savior for a bullpen, but he's not. He's just a supplementary piece that will be in there in some situations. He's got some good stuff. Um, he'll figure it out, hopefully. If not – you know, it's inside job. That's what we'll say. But, uh, you know, at least we made some more moves to uh, just just uh, offset those. You know. He had an MVP vote. Yeah. People aren't talking about that enough yet. Who, who I don't I, I haven't looked, but did White Sox Dave give him the MVP vote? <laughs> I don't talk about White Sox Dave's ballots uh, on public, you know. I'm just asking. Those are locked in. Uh, those are locked in Cooperstown under <laughs> under surveillance. I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> just asking. Was it White Sox Dave that gave him the MVP vote? No, no comment from Chuck. Probably, probably Carl, honestly, before he got traded. So, <laughs> uh, last thing I saw is he wanted to drink bleach. Um, <laughs> let's let's yeah. move on because the White Sox were able to do some stuff here in the bottom of the eighth inning, um, and that was some good stuff. Tim Anderson singles uh, in uh, Oscar Mercado. Oh, no, wait. Tim Anderson singles a sharp ground ball to Oscar Mercado. Larry Garcia, Larry Legend, is able to score on that one. And then Jose Abreu gets hit by a pitch. Um, and this is what we want to talk about right now because Tony Russa comes just barreling out of the dugout to defend his man. And Chuck, I'm not sure if you're a big Tony Larusa guy, 
have been a big Tony LaRusso guy, but I'm going to go off right here for just a second. I've seen a lot of things on on Twitter.com throughout the year that Tony LaRusso doesn't support his guys, that Tony LaRusso isn't the manager to, to stand up for anybody. I haven't seen anybody run faster on my television than Tony LaRusso came out of that dugout since I heard Hawk Harrelson drop the headset and go down to try and check on Todd Frazier. Yeah, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. I do not buy it for a second that Tony LaRusa and this clubhouse don't get along, regardless of whether or not they agree that Yerman Mercedes should swing on a 3-0 pitch. He's invested. He's here. Jose Abreu is his guy. He came out. He ran. He wanted to. He he could have thrown a punch tonight. I felt like Chuck. That was the most electric moment of the White Sox season so far. It was fucking awesome. That video of him running out of the dugout was incredible. I was howling when that happened. Obviously worried about Abreu, but that dude's tough as shit. Like just. He's a crazy person, just runs the first base, shakes it off, catches the final out of the game after getting drilled in the face. Um, I don't get where, you know, obviously I don't think Karen checked through at him on purpose. So I don't know where the Tony being held back came from because it was, but there had to be some chirping going on or something like that that started it. Because um, I don't think Karen Check threw him at him on purpose. Because obviously our baby boy, Karen Check, didn't have his uh, he didn't have his sticky tack tonight or spider tack tonight, so he couldn't throw the ball over the strike zone and hit him in the head. And that's just kind of what happens when you depend on a, a foreign substance for strike throwing. Um, guys get drilled, and that's just bullshit, man. You gotta if you're a major league pitcher and you can't pitch without spider tack, you shouldn't be in there. You just shouldn't be in there. If you're throwing 98, you can't be hitting guys in the head. It's it's just it's just ridiculous. Because guess what? Like all these guys that are still studs, you know. Like I look at Kimbrel. That guy was using a shit ton of pine tar up there every two seconds, but now he's still throwing strikes. Half these guys are still throwing strikes. So like, if you really can't throw strikes without spider tech, you need to figure it out. You can't be hitting our guys in the head. I'm glad they I'm glad they went out there and kind of got chippy today. But I'd be pretty pissed off. If the White Sox try to do something tomorrow, I don't think it's worth it. I don't think anybody should try to get suspended for anything. I, I think it's dumb to throw at him tomorrow, which is another thing I really like about Tony is that he's kept these things kind of like at bay when they've happened with the Yerman thing with like, you just don't want to start big fights or big suspensions and, you know, get guys, you know, out of rhythm. So just have, have a couple chirps. Tony got held back. He got fired up. We don't need to do anything tomorrow. We're the bigger team. I saw Framo Reyes had some bullshit chirps after like, if I get hit, something bad's happening tomorrow. Like, they're not going to throw at you. I don't think they throw at them. I'd be shocked if they threw at them. I, I, don't, I don't think they will. Yeah. So they shouldn't. I don't think they will. I think, this is, I think this is very obvious. I think that it, it, it's it's super obvious what happened. Um, I think if you look at, at Karen Check's numbers, I think if you look at his history, it's very obvious what's going on. Every single time. And this I is, it went if, you, if you're – if you're in this every single time, you used to go to the glove. Yeah. 
you know where it was and uh, and I'll I'll even throw a little promote uh, promotion to the website here if you go and google what was in James Karinchak's glove tonight you're going to find some stuff about him relying on that and you can you can look at the numbers you can make your own assumptions but there is a different James Karinchak than you saw at the beginning of this season as to what he's able to do with the baseball. And when he can't do it, that's what happens. It wasn't intentional. I will agree with you 100%. And there's a reason it wasn't intentional. It's because he's he's wild, Chuck. He, he's a wild pitcher. And sometimes those balls get away from you if you don't have something to control it. And that's that's where I'm at right now. So I would I would hope that the White Sox don't go after him tomorrow. If they do, they do. But I don't think it was intentional at all because at that point in time in a baseball game, Chuck, when you're that close, you don't throw at somebody's head. No, no, no doubt. And and I think the best thing that came from this moment, everyone on my Twitter timeline has changed their tune on Tony La Russa after tonight. I've never seen this much positive vibes about him. You know, obviously the DUI stuff happened. You know, that's a tough situation, but he's our coach. You know, obviously he did something messed up, uh, but, you know, I think people deserve, you know, second chances in life and stuff like that. So, you know, he's coaching his ass off there, Stuart. And, and if you don't agree with that because he made some weird relief choice in a random April game, then you're just being, you know, you're just being ridiculous because he coached a kind of wild, wildly weird team to like 19 games over 500 before the all-star break. That's crazy. That is crazy. We had Brian Goodwin playing. We had Billy Hamilton playing. We had no Eloy, no Luis. This guy just kept going with the flow and coaching the shit out of this team so far. And now he's got the whole fan base behind him, which is incredible. After a day where we made an incredible trade. So I am very pumped up for Tony. He He definitely deserves this type of ovation right now. It's a legend. (laughs) <laughs> he's a legend. I don't get it. He has fucking voodoo, man. It's the same thing he did with the Cardinals. He has voodoo. This guy is insane. I don't get it, but it's awesome. I, I'm in the same boat as you, man. Like, I'm there, – there's just something about the magic of this team. I've I've talked about it on this show. I've talked about it in, in, in certain text messaging circles of, of White Sox fans. There's something about this team. There's something the way that he's able to draw these guys to perform. And I, I, I really honestly feel like there is, there is an it factor here. There is an it factor here with Tony La Russa, with the, with the roster, with everything. And regardless of who you wanted to coach this team, regardless of – all the other factors that that are all around it, and I can appreciate those things. There are certain fundamental baseball things that Tony LaRusso has just been able to assimilate with this roster, get them to where they need to be, and win ball games, despite the fact that any person who watches baseball would tell you like, hey, if you lost Nick Madrigal, if you lost 
Yasmani Grandal, if you lost Eloy Jimenez and Luis Robert for a giant stretch of your season, I don't know if any other manager gets that job done, Chuck. I think the White Sox right now have the perfect mix of, you know, obviously baseball's turned very analytically driven. I think they're using a lot of that stuff. And then I think Tony La Russa has some of the best feel feel for the game I've ever seen. Like feel for his players, how they're how they're feeling, what's the right situation to put them in to succeed in the future. Like I think about a guy like Jose Ruiz getting that fucking out tonight. Like, you know, he hasn't been the greatest throughout the season, but that guy has explosive stuff and he's sitting in a bullpen with Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell now. He's gonna learn. Like I would just sit next to those guys and learn all day. He's putting these guys in a uh, situation to succeed, so I, I can't I can't praise him enough so far. And if 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 you don't like Tony La Russa, you have a fucking huge dump in your pants at this point. That's all I have to say. I am here for everything that you just said in that last sentence, Chuck. Like that's music to my ears. Uh, let's let's go on from this because I know we just. We just talked about the eighth inning and in the bottom of it, you get Tim Anderson driving in Lurie Garcia on uh, uh, what was supposed to be uh, just a, a normal routine out there. And then Jose Abreu gets hit by the, hit by the pitch uh, and, and you take the lead here and you go to Liam Hendricks. And I know I'm recapping here, but I want to talk about something that we haven't you haven't even brought up yet. Craig Kimbrell is also avail, available in that situation because we haven't even gotten to the trades yet. Craig Kimbrell's available in that situation. You also have Liam Hendricks available. This is like almost foolproof. This is ridiculous. You go to Liam Hendricks, he shuts that shit down. You get a White Sox winner. It didn't matter if it was one run, didn't matter if it's two runs, doesn't matter if it's three. You've got the two best closers in baseball right now, in my opinion, on this team. How fucking cool and tough is that? It's fucking insane. It's fucking insane. Like, everyone gets mad that we don't use Liam every game because we have a best closer in baseball guess what now we can use the other best closer in baseball and tie games if we wanted to <laughs> it's fucking nuts it is insane what happened i mean and it was even better today tonight because liam just came in there and dropped his ball sack on the indians and was just screaming in their face after the brayu stuff so that even like got me even more fired up because you just i i've just been fantasizing about the scenarios all of all day uh of future playoff scenarios of how I would deploy them. Because I think, uh, I think you look at, I think you look at Kimbrell as being a true closer a true, you know, your ninth inning guy. And then just having the ability to, to use Liam now for two innings, if you have to in a playoff series is so fucking huge because the biggest thing I love about Liam Hendricks, explosive fastball, nasty breaking stuff. He throws strikes and strikes win you games. Because in playoff series, when guys' buttholes get tight, they throw a lot of balls. 
And that guy just throws strikes. And you know what? Sometimes you get the beat. He gives up a Salvador Perez bomb. He gives up a Mancini bomb. But I'm not going to be that worried about him giving up bombs in the seventh or eighth inning compared to a guy like Kimbrell, who's – I think Kimbrell misses bats a lot more this season at least in terms of just missing the home run ball. So I don't know, man. It's going to be super fun to watch because you can just go Kopech to Hendricks to if you wanted to into Kimbrell or I don't even know if you wanted to go Kopech – Crochet. Kimberly. I just I, I look at it, Chuck, yeah. man, and I, I I look at this and I go. Over two days, you can go Hendricks two, Kimbrel one, Kopech two, Kimbrel one. You can go Kopech two, Hendricks one, Kimbrel two, Hendricks one. There's so many options that are available to you. If and you're then Tony Larusa. <laughs> and it's just it's it's mind blowing how fucking awesome this shit yeah. is. Yeah, and you think about bummer, you just have bummer now. Yeah, for like, like you've got you've got you've got bummer, you you got bummer in the fifth or sixth if you want, or crochet in the fifth or sixth. And what what happens when crochet learns how to throw 102 again? Because that's going to be insane when that guy starts throwing that hard again. Because you know he has it in him, and and you get into a big situation, he's going to start bringing out that 102 in a in a playoff series, and it's going to be wild. That's my that that's my biggest question. And if if I had media credentials, Chuck, my first question to Ethan Katz, if I only had one, it would be why has Garrett Crochet not touched 101 so far this year? I know you've pitched before in college baseball. You answer that question for me. Why has he not touched 101 so far this year? I think Garrett Crochet is learning how to pitch this year. I think last year he was a thrower. This year he's definitely – I think he's going into his bullpens and his game appearances this year, you know, learning how to throw a slider, learning how to throw a changeup, or learning how to locate his fastball instead of just being like, I'm going to throw fucking 103 by you, which is awesome. But at the same time, if you can learn how to throw three other pitches and then throw 103 – you're going to be unhittable. You're going to be Chris Sale. You, you know, his obvious comp, they were the same guys probably. I, I mean, I don't really – I'm still pretty young when Chris Sale got first called up. I mean, I am 28, but still, I you know, baseball mind young, so I wasn't really watching him from a competitive standpoint at that time. But I'm guessing he was probably a thrower when he was coming out of the pen. Same with Carlos. They're the same type of guys. But now you see, now you see Carlos who knows how to pitch compared to Carlos the thrower. So it, it's just – these guys are learning on the job, I think, because he obviously they're not playing a triple A. So I think he's really focusing on mechanics and focusing on pitchability. And then when we get in the playoffs, he's going to get back and just I, – I can just feel that first 101 pitch come in the playoffs, and it's going to be unbelievable. But I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. Huge moves. I, I, I absolutely hope so. And I hope that we get a better version of Ryan Tapera next time we see him. Um, I think, you know, we kind of glossed over this, but uh, Jose Ruiz came in for him and, and shut the door down. Uh, that guy makes me drink. Um, <laughs> Shout out so, Jose Ruiz making the graphic today, man, yeah. and performing. That probably got him fired up. He was like, I'm on the graphic with a Hall of Famer and, like, two All-Stars right now. I got to show up. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure – I'm absolutely sure it did. And, you know, <laughs> that type of stuff, like, you know, maybe gets gets a guy going a little bit. 
but I, I'm still I'm still that Jose Ruiz. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what you call it. I, I still question his ability to get out of things. He proved me wrong tonight. So be it. I hope he continues to do so because he he's got gas. But let's look forward to tomorrow, Chuck. Yep. We've got Dallas Keuchel against Tristan McKenzie. Tristan coming in at one four five point six one ERA. He's not great on the season. However, I feel like he's been able to fool some White Sox bats. And you've got Dallas Keuchel seven and four four point three two ERA. Uh, Dallas has had his his question marks this season. There's a lot of people questioning Dallas Keuchel so far this year. What's the what? What's your key to success tomorrow? You know, he said it the other day. I think he said he was struggling versus left-handed hitters, just finding his drivers, left-handed hitters, and just you know doing his thing. He's been on a couple times this year, but he's been getting hurt by left-handed hitters. So I don't know, man. He's just got to find that cutter. He's got to locate. He's got to just beat Dallas Keuchel and and not try to be. The other guys that are on the staff that are performing really well, I'm guessing that's probably kind of getting to him that there's a lot of guys that are really pitching well on this team, and he's not so far. And I, I'm not even saying he's not pitching well. The guy's given up like three or four runs an outing. Like I would take that all day, every day, out of my fourth man, out of my rotation. So, you know what, just keep pitching. He's going to find it at some point. You know, even if he doesn't, we got guys. We can figure it out in the playoffs. I'm very happy with our top three in our rotation. Um yeah, he's just got a battle versus these guys. The Indians lineup sucks besides Jose Ramirez and Fran Mill, so just go to work. My keys to this, man, just fucking give this guy a lead to work with early. We've seen the struggles from the White Sox offense early in games. You've seen Tim Anderson as your leadoff guy not get the job done right away. You go out and you give Dallas Keuchel – a lead to work with early and he can put some shit in cruise control. Yeah. He's going to give up a few runs, but you have a big inning to start the game or even in the second. And I feel like Dallas Keuchel can control some shit just to get the job done. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah. You, you just, anytime you go out there with a lead of, you know, you get a two nothing, three nothing lead. You're just in cruise control. You just—that's when he feels like he can give up that. When you got in the back of your head that you can give up that solo bomb and not—it's not, not going to really hurt. I think you just pitch with a lot more, you know, comfort than you would in uh, a zero zero game. So um, yeah, you just give him a lead. I, I just get to Mc, McKenzie early because I feel like he's the same way. If he gets settled, then he's tough to hit. Uh, we'll I agree what, with I what, agree with you right there. If, He's, if you, I, if I can't get him that lead. Last year he was unhittable, and now this year we got to him. So it's it's. I, I always have a tough time reading him whenever we face him. I didn't get to watch the first game when we faced him uh, when Timmy hit the grand slam off him. So I, I really haven't got to watch him that much this year. But he's definitely regressed from a little bit from last year. So that's encouraging to see tomorrow. Let's make it a bullpen game. Let's fucking show him what we got tomorrow. You know. There you go. You got to pick the right now. What did he say? Pick the click. I'll go Anderson because he. I liked. I like what Anderson did that last at bat. I used when he takes the ball to right field. That's when he starts clicking. I think he goes deep to right, little right center shot tomorrow. 
off the sinker baller. There you go. Um, I'd normally go Gavin Sheets. I don't know if he will be in the lineup tomorrow. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Gavin Sheets is my Gavin Sheets has been my guy. I'm a Gavin Sheets guy too. I fucking love that guy. The way I'm a a huge Gavin Sheets guy. So I'll go Gavin Sheets if he's in the lineup. If not, I'm gonna go Yoan Mancada. Just because he he looked good today. And I'm a big proponent of guys who are seeing the ball well. Yoan Mancada seeing the ball well. Yep. I think he can put one on the goose, Chuck. You're spot on. So that's who I'm going to go with. Awesome. Before we close this down, I need to know, if you're grading Rick Hahn on the trade deadline, A through C, the way that we used to get graded, what are you giving Rick Hahn on this trade deadline? Grade him. I think you have to give him an A+. You filled every need. You filled every need. And if you're mad about Escobar, you also have a dump in your pants because go look at the splits between him and Cesar. They're the same, basically. He has four more home runs, a little bit higher stuff. But I love – I wasn't always the biggest Madrigal guy. I felt like he was a spaz. I felt like he he would get nervous in the big moment. I felt like his defense just wasn't smooth. I watched Cesar Hernandez play defense tonight, and just all his actions looked smooth. The bunt that Sebi received behind home plate and threw to first base, that's a bunt that might go in the outfield because Madrigal's not at first base on time. There's just little things like that that we needed in the middle of the infield that we'll now have for two years if we keep the option. If not, there's a bunch of shortstops on the market. Now, bullpen-wise, I would have been happy with two solid arms. The fact that we got a solid arm and a Hall of Fame arm today puts me over the moon. The White Sox have never made this type of move at the deadline in my lifetime, at least, um, to really put themselves over the top. And it's very encouraging for the fan base to see that. I think the rest of the AL made moves to win their divisions. I think the White Sox made moves today to win playoff series. A bullpen wins you fucking playoff series. And they did the best thing. Fuck Trevor Story. I want to fucking shut down bullpen when it comes down to it. That's all I care about. Defense, bullpen. That's how we're going to win a World Series. So I think we did a, he did a, Rick did a fucking phenomenal job today. A plus. Chuck, I can't wait to drink beers with you on Jackson and financial and just fucking enjoy a White Sox World Series winner. I think those are the type of moves that Rick made today. I love what you said. I love the fact that Rick Hahn went and addressed every single need that I think smart baseball fans talked about on Twitter. I think that I, I, I just, it, it doesn't take rocket appliances, right, to figure out what this team needs to get the job done. Rick Hahn addressed all of them. Yeah. And guess what? We got another, my favorite part about Craig Kimbrell. That's another bulldog in that clubhouse. I it just is. love attitudes in that clubhouse right now. Because in years past, it felt way too lackadaisical. We got guys with fucking huge swinging nuts coming into these games that have won World Series and aren't scared of the big moment. I'm, I'm over the moon about what's going to happen in, in October, man. It, it feels great. It absolutely is. Chuck, 
thank you for joining me tonight on the post game show. I know it was short notice. I, I can't even thank you enough for, for coming on this show, man. Uh, this was this was awesome. Can't wait to have you back again. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning into this. Um, be sure you're checking out Grandstand and Chuck. One last thing before we're we're gonna sign off here. White Sox forever. White Sox forever, baby. Let's go, Sox. Cheers. <laughs>